Hello, welcome to the third episode of the Yulevsky podcast. I'm Alexander Yulevsky, and today I'm with Alex Smathers. He's a self-taught illustrator and writer who has written over six books. He's worked with clients like BBC, Wired Magazine, and Google. He's launched two blogs, Red Lemon Club and Ape of Moon in 2009, and that's reached millions of people since then. Alex right now is living in Thailand. So Alex, how's it going? Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I think the biggest thing, I, like we said in, in the pre-podcast, I mean, I've been following you uh, since the Red Lemon Club days. Now you're you're doing quite well on Medium and I follow you on Twitter and all the other social links. I mean, your story is, is what intrigues me. And I think it's a story that maybe perhaps a lot of people can relate in terms of, you know, the various twists and turns that you've gone through to get to where you are now as a pretty successful illustrator and writer. And, and you've also made a lot of travel moves as well. So how did you get to where you are now? There has been a lot of chopping and changing, and it has been quite a meandering route. So you're right to to um, to question the, the long story. So I suppose it would it would uh, start off um, at kind of university stage. So when I was about 18, I had to, you know, up, up until that point, by the way, I had always been interested in, in in art and drawing that kind of stuff. So I'd always been interested in the arts, but I came to a point at the age of about 18 where I had to make a decision between do I want to study geography or art at university. It was kind of down to those two decisions, and I decided to go with. Uh, geography and drop the art because geography at that point uh, it sounded like a bit more of a, a sensible option um, out of out of the two. So I, I went with that, and I, I enjoyed geography and learning about volcanoes and, and how the planet works and that kind of stuff. So I decided to go with that and ended up studying geography for three years in London at University College London. And obviously, you know, at the end of that three years, the kind of the drawing and the art it was a bit of a distant distant memory. I hadn't picked up a pen and pe- a pen and paper for a long time. And I found myself not knowing what the heck to do with geography because it's it's basically studying everything. So I, I found myself kind of a little bit clueless as to what to do next. So I jumped into, um, obviously, uh, real estate um, because I, I guess there was a bit of a link between, um, um, you know, f- figuring out how to build houses and, and make money through property development and geography. So there's a bit of a link there. So I, I did that. That was a master's degree, but it was a part-time master's degree, which allowed me a little bit of time um, when I wasn't studying for that course to get back into the creative side. Cause there was a bit of, there was a voice, um, calling the back of my head saying, you know, you need to get back into the art. Um, and I stumbled on iStockphoto.com, which was a, a place where you can upload, um, photos or illustrations, uh, to the website to make, to make a bit of money. And I think I was spurred on by reading, um, Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week. Um, as, as, a, as a means, as a prompt to get me excited about making a passive income. So I thought to myself, okay, how can I use my, my interest in art while I'm still studying for this course to, um, to make a bit of spare cash? So I ended up um, over about a year or two, I think it was about a year and a half, adding as many illustrations as I could to iStock Photo, <clears throat> which, which brought in like a trickle of income initially. And then it started to flow into into quite sizable, decent income. And it was paying for my rent at one point in London. Wow. Which was great. Um, but the, the most important thing about that process, that experience was that it really taught me um, the value of, of putting out a lot of, a lot of content, like just creating a ton and seeing what kind of um, response it would get in the marketplace. So it was a really nice environment for figuring out um, what kinds of pieces worked and what kinds of styles kind of fell flat on their face and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm aware that I might be spending a long time on this, but from from that point on, that that was a nice segue into um, getting 
a couple of clients here and there to notice my stuff on the web <clears throat> uh, through through um, all the work I've been putting into iStock. And, and as I said, the great thing about that process was that I, I managed to hone a style, something of a style pretty quickly through that process. So then people started to notice me. I set up my own website. <clears throat> and then I found that I was actually getting paid decent amounts for the pretty pictures I was making and thought to myself, mm -hmm. hang on a sec, why, why am I spending all this time on the real estate stuff, which is okay, kind of interesting, but not really where I feel the passion is is kind of erupting from. So I decided at one point, this this is after like a few months, uh, maybe like a year and two months working for a property magazine. Um, I decided to move away from that full time and doing a few illustrations to just going straight in um, into full time illustration. And I can tell you, I wasn't ready in any way. I hadn't had an, like nearly enough money set aside, you know, in savings before I made the leap, but I just did it anyway, because I knew that um, I could do it. I, I, I could see a track record of things having worked here and there, even though there were many failures and many, and many um, you know, clients who said no and this kind of stuff. Um, there was enough to say that it could work in, in, in the long term and with a bit of push, I could I could do it. So I've I've been basically since that time. That was like maybe five years after I graduated from from the geography course. I have been working um, pretty much full time as an illustrator <clears throat> and and writing as well on on the side. And and writing now has become more of a full time thing. How how did you basically get into the writing aspect? I mean, because, I mean, it seems like art was always some, always had a sort of a place in terms of your passion and what you wanted to do in life. I mean, it's interesting too, because a lot of people kind of, sometimes they know what their passion is and they just right away, just try to try to make money out of it. And, you know, they struggle for, for a while, a long time where you sort of just kind of like, well, I would I like geography. I went with geography, you did that for a while. And then you kind of realize on the side, you kind of did your passion on the side. So it's like you almost had like a safe type of transition into it, even though you did say that you weren't really ready to go all in when you decided to go full time as an illustrator. True. I, I guess having had the geography and, and the other degree under my belt, so to speak, even though I hadn't quite finished the, the, the master's degree, um, I suppose that added a, a certain layer of security to the, to the idea of transitioning into the illustration. Um, but when it comes to the writing, it's a good point. I mean, I, I, f I found that I was learning a lot, I guess, through the illustration and, and figuring out how to be a freelancer and how to make it work. And at the time, this is like sort of 10, 12 years ago now, um, I remember there was very little information online about how to uh, market yourself as a, as a creative, especially like how, how do you, um, you know, create good art, but also create art and make stuff that people actually want to want to pay for. And I couldn't really find anything like that. So I just decided to um, do it myself and try and extract as much info information from what I was learning to help other people, but also create a platform and create another side business, which came in the, in the form of Red Lemon Club. So I hope that doesn't right. complicate things too much. But yeah, Red Lemon Club kind of sprouted out of um, a need for two things. Firstly, to share what I'd been learning. And the second thing um, was to create... Um, additional passive income through selling um, ebooks and that kind of stuff. Right. And just before you start talking about just how you sort of start Red Lemon Club. And so what year would have this would have this been around when you when you were talking because Red Lemon Club started in 2009. Red Lemon Club was uh, launched in late 2009. Um, I think I, f I first started illustrating uh, for iStock 
in 2006. That was the same, okay. year, the same year that I graduated from geography. I started uploading illustrations to iStock and it was, I was kind of doing, you know, the, the distance learning part-time course for real estate and, and illustration up until, um, uh, going, going full, full force into the freelance and, and red lemon club at around in around 2000, 2008, 2009. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Cause I just want to sort of, I just want people to sort of paint that picture because you know, as a, as an illustrator or a graphic designer, or, I mean, these are sort of things where people think you're just, you're a freelancer, you're great at your craft, you're great at your art. But what you're trying to do though, is you're not just, you're not just an illustrator or a writer. You're, you're creating, you're creating a business, you're an entrepreneur. Like you still need to understand the marketing aspect of what platforms. So this is like 2008 kind of time. And you weren't, there's the, the resources and the platforms that are available now that can easily transition someone from a freelancer into like a business owner and then marketing themselves. Those weren't all necessarily available at that time. So I guess you kind of, well, you obviously, like you said, you just sort of figured that out and you decided to create your own sort of outlet to, to help others who are in the same situation as you maybe. So, and that's maybe how Red Lemon Club sort of started. Yeah, that's exactly how it started. It was just, it was based on the lack of, of information out there and, and me thinking entrepreneurially, I suppose, um, and thinking, okay, there might be a, a bit of a gap in the market here. I mean, I, obviously, I'm interested in helping others um, succeed, and that's that was pretty much the main, the, one of the bigger drivers of why I did it. But also, um, there was definitely a gap in the market, and, and um, wanted to to create an additional income for sure. How did the tr- how did you get the traction to start? Because everyone knows that feeling of I'm going to start a blog. You spend hours finding the perfect title, uh, writing your blog post getting the imagery obviously you would create your own um image you would illustrate your own design but how do you how did you get that to build to you know reaching millions of people basically since then um, just a lot of hard work and a lot of, a lot of faith yeah it wasn't wasn't easy to um to keep grinding when 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 you see especially initially the you know the feeble response that you get um just just by the very fact that you're new to the scene and no one no one knows of you i mean you have to you have to accept that there will be that phase at the beginning of doing anything new, um, especially if you aren't particularly, you know, if, you, if you're not standing out as doing something really different and really far out, if you're doing stuff that a lot of people are also doing, it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of energy and motivation and faith to, to, keep, sti- to keep sticking with it. And, and almost an expectation that it will um, kind of be very slow to start with. So that, that's, that's exactly what I went through. I suppose I was helped a little bit at the beginning by the by, the fact that I was doing something that was relatively unique at that point, and I was, I guess, I was lucky to to have been there at that time. Um, so, I, I think, I think if if I had set up Red Lemon Club today, it would have taken three or four times as long. I would have, I would have guessed to find the same kind of traction as I did back then. So, time timing really helped, but but I think more than anything, um, just just staying with it and putting out as much content as you can, and just having faith that it's going to finally uh, get noticed. And you've written over, I mean, you've written over six books since then, um, some of them free and some of them you can purchase as well, correct? That's right, yeah. And is is that, I mean, did you use that as sort of ways to help market the Red Lemon Club or or has that helped your transitioning into Medium Platform as well? Well, there would be often many points along the, along the journey of uh, running Red Lemon Club where I'd realized that, you know, I need a bit of extra income coming in, illustrations doing okay, but it's um, it, it can it can be supplemented. Um, so definitely, you know, an ebook or a course, 
um, that could make money was an, was a big incentive for actually creating it. <clears throat> um, but also the fact that I, I love I love writing and I love I love the process of creating, you know, taking like a chaotic set of ideas and trying to present them in such a way that people actually understand it um, is 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 fulfilling. So yeah, those things combined just led to me putting out as many books as I as I could do as and, and, and courses as well to create that money, but also to um, you know make sense of the of the chaos and help help some people you know get to where they want to get. Yeah, that's amazing, absolutely, and you can definitely tell um, if for anyone out there like please check out Alex Mather's uh, website because his blog whether on Medium or on his website as well, which we'll add links to in the show uh, show notes on. On my site, you can definitely tell going through your content that clarification is key because no matter how long or short they are, it just seems it's such an easy read. It seems like you're it's almost like you're laying out everything one, two, three, four, five in steps for us. Um, but really, it's I think it's just the flow. And obviously, it's something that comes natural to you. And you know why that is? It's because more than anything else, I'm, I'm always writing for me. I mean, all, all the all the problems I try to solve have come um you know, initially from my own issues, you know, every, every, every blog post I put up is always a response to me asking the question, okay, what is, what is it that I'm struggling now? Um, either right now or something that I have recently solved, um, that other people could also gain from. So I need to make it as crystal clear to me as possible <clears throat> in the way that I write it up. That's, I mean, that's a fantastic blueprint for people to sort of use, um, when you're trying to oh, and I, def- I definitely recommend that approach to anyone who's creating content of any kind is to just always start with your own qualms and your own problems and, and fix those because you're, you're the one that's going to know um, where the pain point is. You can feel that pain point and you're going to be driven to um, clarify that and improve it. If you don't mind me asking, was it sort of, in terms of selling your your books? I mean, was it more leveraging your mailing lists? Well, obviously, you know, Google AdWords and Facebook ads weren't exactly what they were at that time. Although, I mean, maybe with your more recent books, you did have that sort of option. But what was your sort of main way of letting people know about it? Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, the newsletter. I, I'm, to be honest, pretty pretty terrible with technology and understanding how to use AdWords and things like that. I've, I've always stayed clear of uh, AdWords because I just never really understood how it worked and um, always feared that I would not be using it as, as well as it could be used. So I, I always tended to revert back to the most basic forms of, of marketing. So I would pretty much just stick to, um, you know, tweeting stuff and making sure that I was engaging with people, that kind of stuff on social media, but also, um, yeah, the primary marketing channel, which was the newsletter for sure. And that, 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 that's the, the main thing that has led me to continue what I'm doing. You know, it's, 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 um, allowed the accumulation of subscribers over the years to, to keep motivating me to keep writing. Um, and it's also the reason that, um, you know, Medium kicked off pretty well for me initially. Um, so rather than working from scratch, I had already a big a big audience in place through the fact that I had um, these subscribers, which really helped, um, you know, market the individual posts and get good traction, you know, pretty, pretty quickly based on that previous traction. Why did you make, can, maybe you can let people know um, sort of, in a nutshell, what what Medium is the the platform? Because I I mean I love the interface myself as well, even with the changes they've been going through, um, and it, it seems just such a really pleasant, easy place to to write, uh, distraction free. 
But what made you make that transition? Um, because you had this huge falling already on your own blogs. Why did you transition over to the Medium platform? Well, I've, I've got to be honest. I have I, I noticed a big a big drop off in interest in the readership on Red Lemon Club as a sort of standalone website. And I think a lot of other people who had websites also found the same. I think I think it's a great thing to have your own kind of hub uh, website where people from all the different corners of the web or wherever you've been marketing your stuff come to. Um, and for me, that because I had numerous sites, I've got my own personal brand, which is alexmathers.net. So that that kind of became the primary main website that I had people come to ultimately, which meant that I, because of the low the low traction and the low engagement I was getting on, on, on Red Lemon Club, um, I decided to give Medium more of a chance because it looked as if... Um, and I still don't really get what it's all about. And I think they're still trying to figure it out as well. But Medium <clears throat> looks to me as if it's a kind of a, a social network for writing. It's a platform where, where people are already going to look for, for writing of all different of different types. And it's specifically writing, which is why it was of interest to me, because that's my medium of choice. Um, and so I, and I, I put a few posts up, like maybe as far back as two years ago. And they did okay, but then I... You know, I stuck with it while also writing um, for Red Lemon Club, but I but I found ultimately that more people were seeing my stuff on Medium, um, and it, and it led to a lot more viral posts and that kind of stuff, and much more organic engagement. So I just decided, you know, what, what's the point of um, kind of going the slightly old-fashioned way, which is to to, to blog on the website, um, which is to, which is still fine. I think there's still some value in it in terms of SEO and all that kind of stuff, and I wouldn't stop, but. Um, the the method that was working better for me was medium so i've i've gone pretty much all in now i mean i might i, I will post the good thing about medium is that, is that you can um you can republish stuff so if you have put a post on your own website which i encourage people to still do because as i said you want to be found there um you can uh, copy that link that url into medium and, and repost it without upsetting the the seo thing right without without having without losing out on on the ranking system so medium medium is good to you might you might as well make use of it if you have writing somewhere to republish to to medium and and make the most of their massive audience and it seems to be growing as well so right now in terms of your writing you're you're basically using both your website alexmathers.net and uh the medium as well yeah and i'm also um looking into steam it as well it's something that's popped up on my radar I'm not sure if you've heard about it, steamit.com. No. Steamit? No, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's of interest to me because I've been taking an interest in blockchain technologies a lot more, and we can, that, we can save that to another conversation. But, um, you know, the, the, the technology that drives things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, these new digital currencies, um, you know, means to pay each other without having to go through a bank and that kind of stuff, um, they're making use of that ton- technology on this platform called Steamit, which is another medium-type um, writing platform, but I think you can you can contribute all kinds of content to it. Uh, but Steamit is interesting because they they will pay you in their own Steamit dollars, their own Steamit currency, um, which looks like if you can get popular on there, it could be a really great place to to make a decent income through writing. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly how the system works, but I think um, I think the value of the currency goes up based on how much engagement it has. So if you if you get more um, people liking something that you've put out, um, upvoting it, you will you will kind of earn whatever the value of that person 
um, that person's value within that ecosystem is. It's complicated, but it looks interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I I just I've just been hovering over it right now as you as you're talking about it. Right. It's basically, I mean, they basically say uh, they're a community that pays you to post and curate high quality content. And I can kind of understand what you're what you're explaining here. Steam it. I mean, I think this so that's steamit.com and I'll put a link to it as well. But I think I think this conversation has just sort of naturally shown, though, that the content is, you know, the content is is very important. But the platform is going to change the medium in terms of how you're going to be showcasing your work will change and Alex you've done a great job in terms of following with the what the trends are and now at the same time like for example you know taking a look at other alternatives like steam it uh, what could possibly be coming as well so that you can showcase your work there you're spot on and um, that definitely that definitely is something to to be aware of is is to to even if you're kind of anti-trends and all that kind of stuff and it's you know you don't want to get be, be kind of washed away and all the fashionable stuff it's definitely worth keeping an eye on what's what's trending and what's popular and and right now i, I still don't really know how steam it works as you can tell but it's something i'm keeping an eye on and i'm adding a few things here and there and and as you say yeah the way that the, the content that you put out um will be affected by the environment in which it's in and i've noticed this with um with medium especially with through the layout i'm much more encouraged to, to do the writing in the first place because the, the the post looks so good <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I've, and I've and I've spoke about, you know, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when it just looks good and feels good, yeah. you just become intrigued. Uh, you're right. I think it really adds to it. if It looks great. So Alex, in terms of right now, what are you doing in terms of your work in terms of I mean, you're living in Thailand now, where are you at now? And where are you planning to go next? Are you working towards something? Or are you just, you know, going along for the ride? Yeah, well, I, I think I think I'm a bit like you in the sense that I I am very easily swayed by all the different stuff that I could be doing, and you know I get very excited, you know, when I see a movie or something that interests me online that I want to I want to do or some some craft that I want to work on. Um, so it's the biggest challenge for me is to stay is to stay as focused as I can and maintain something of a thread that runs through my career. So that's the biggest the biggest challenge for me is to try and you know pull my act together and and, and maintain something consistent so so for me I'm, I'm trying to be as strict as i can in terms of the writing um and and also make use of of my illustration skill um and, and combining the two and it seems to be working pretty well on medium so I'm, I'm just seizing the wins that i'm getting on on that front and just trying to build on that as much as i can yeah um so the, the focus is yeah just just putting out as many articles as i can and the interesting thing about this process is that <clears throat> whenever i put out an article that does particularly well it does a very good job of pointing me to um, whatever that might be, whether it's a, a product that could come out of that um, post or um, something, you know, a, an area to, to, to kind of go a bit deeper into in another post. And there are all kinds of, it's really interesting getting the feedback from the people on Medium, um, especially when the engagement is a bit higher to see what kinds of things are working. So one of the posts I put out recently was explaining to people how I, gained focus in my day by asking myself a series of, of questions of focusing questions and really making it you know every question was really narrowed down so that you were forced to think really strictly about what what to focus on for that day um, and it turned out to be a real a real success it went kind of viral so and it, and it's got me thinking about okay what can I what can I do to make the most of that result while still being a writer of sorts so that the result of that has been for me to create a physical, um, journal, physical planner book that I'm working right now on, um, on printing 
and um, launching hopefully within a month and and having that as my kind of focal point product at least for the time being um, because I'm I'm seeing that a lot of a lot of the posts that I write tend to um, diverge into you know how to be focused and how to gain clarity in your life so the, the the journal should be I hope a nice answer to that yeah I, that's definitely going to be a book that I'm I'll be picking up because <laughs> because like you know like you sort of mentioned I you know been sort of on this winding path trying to just trying to you're just like you said it's with so many opportunities it seems like you know whether it's I want to create a video I want to create a song I want to write a blog I want to release a book I want to start a podcast all these things that you, you get distracted and eventually it's kind of like one of your posts, you know, I'm tired of mediocre. You start spreading yourself thin. You start realizing I'm good at everything, but I've lost that great at one thing. And now it's trying to find what that one thing is. So definitely that'll be a book that I'll be picking up and I'm sure everyone else should as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, there, there is like one of the questions in the book is, um, you know, what can I do today that will develop my extracurricular world a little bit further? So it does. It does address that problem that we have of wanting to to do other cool things, like and then chase other shiny objects. But um, the point of the point of the questions is that you focus on one main thing, <clears throat> while allowing yourself, you know, um, to release a bit of steam, so to speak, um, working on those other things. But really, um, what I what I have come to realize is that it's, and I think Gary Vaynerchuk and people like that talk about it, is to have a <clears throat> you know, a main dish and then have side dishes if you want them. But, but at any given time, there needs to be that kind of that thread running through that you don't really deviate from, which takes up, say, 80%, 90% of your time. Yeah, absolutely. And I read that in his in his, uh, what, his most recent book as well, the idea of having your entree. In terms of, I'm so people get sort of financial sense, you know, where, where do you, so where's your income coming from right now? Because you've worked with big clients, uh, big brands as well. Is it is it people reaching out, clients finding you through your writing? Uh, is it people, companies knowing about your illustrations? There's nothing. There's nothing concrete about it. It's a. It's a bit of a mixed match, and and clients tend to reach me in in a whole variety of ways. Um, right. Right now, um, I'm getting client work through both illustration and, and writing, and I guess I guess I'm I tend to confuse the world in that respect, in that I'm doing both. So there isn't that clear message just in terms of what I'm. Um, really focusing on so that that's why I get I get kind of gigs from all from all angles and I suppose if I if I really wanted to to ha- to make a really good go of one of one aspect of what I do and get really high level clients I could probably do a much better job of it but right now things are kind of trickling in to the extent that I have enough um, in terms of what I need so it's not I'm not you know rolling around in millions right now but I've got enough especially living in Thailand where it's a, bit, a little bit cheaper um, so you know the odd the odd illustration project will come through through various means. So for example, um, I have an agent um, who I've been with for a few years, and that's definitely helpful. So they will do a lot of the work of marketing and finding stuff for me. Um, <clears throat> and people will find me through um, being subscribed to my newsletter. There'll be possibly followers on my social media. They could they could come from so many different places. They may they may be people that I've been chatting to just through email, trying to you know. Um, catch up with various people. I, I try to make a point of, for example, um, making sure that um, my past clients I, I keep in touch with and sort of touch base with them and make sure that they um, were happy with my previous work and that kind of stuff. And that, that tends to lead to a lot of repeat projects. And um, yeah, do, doing a bit of paid writing as well through people that pick me up through through Medium. Amazing. 
I just I just want to talk about one more thing, and that's basically I mean, you're living in Thailand now, but you've lived in you've lived in other countries. You you lived in Barbados and Japan, uh, Jamaica, all these other countries. Do do you like to travel, or is it you know finding inspiration? Yeah, I mean, let's let's just uh, make sure there's a division between all the countries that I visited when I was really young, which was a result of my dad being a diplomat and and me following the family around. So I, I basically, before the age of 18, I think I lived in about seven different countries um, ah. for, for quite long periods at a time as well, like three, three year stints each. So I was definitely um, very well versed in um, traveling around a lot at a young age. And I think um, a lot of that has kind of rubbed off on me now. And I still have that um, itch to continually travel and live in different places, but it could also just be part of my own personality. I can't really tell the difference anymore. But I, I certainly enjoy taking advantage of, um, and, and I, I guess I've been lucky to, in that regard um, in choosing to do something like writing and illustration where all I really need is a laptop and my Wacom tablet and I'm, I'm good to go. So I, I do take advantage of that. And so I've, I've lived in Tokyo for nine months. And I lived in Vietnam recently. Um, all kind of on the Asian side. I'm still exploring Asia and, and really loving it. But um Bangkok is, is the current. We'll see what happens next. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I mean, I think there's a lot from this conversation that, that people can take and I've already taken as well within just a half hour of time that we've spent talking. Cool. I've really enjoyed it. Thank, yeah. Thank you so much, Alex, really. And is there anything that you wanted to talk about or, or something that you just want to say to people that maybe we haven't already spoken about? I, I think the thing that's running around in my head a lot of the moment right now is in terms of how to, how to really... Um, kind of move forward and, and hit some higher level successes, you might say, is, is um, a commitment to to volume, actually, to creating a lot of stuff, um, <clears throat> to really kind of, as they say, 10x, 10xing your approach. And that, that, has, that approach has really helped because it's not only, it does, what, what it's meant is that I'm not com- completely overwhelmed with, with stupid amounts of stuff. It's actually got me to think um, more seriously, I guess, about how, how I'm going to focus down. How, how can I, how can I um, allow my circumstances to be that I can create a lot of stuff? And it's, it's meant that I'm now writing much more than I ever would have done because I've approached things with that strategy of just, just creating a lot. And the really cool thing about just putting out a lot of stuff, so say like you know 5,000 words a day if you can, or even more than that some days, um, what, it, what it does is it means that you, you end up approaching the creative process much more relaxed, which I think is really important for making work that actually connects with people. <clears throat> if you create um, only a few things every month, uh, and it, of course it depends on it, it depends entirely on what you do. I mean, you could be creating one app a year or something. But generally, if you approach your creative stuff with a kind of view to making loads, you'll the, the pressure ultimately gets taken off of each individual um, action. So. If, if I'm if, if my plan is to write 5,000 words in a day I'm not too hung up on every every word that I write you know I just I just free flow and that tends to lead to a lot of junk but like there's a there'll be a few gems in there which you can take and at the end and ultimately you'll have more content as well which is what the world needs is to put if you want to stand out you've got you've got to put a lot of stuff out that's good and I think having a strategy of volume um, hits both of those nails that's beautiful Perfect. Cool. Def- I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I always think that consistency and content is key. It's almost like a lot of people already know 
what is king, you know, the whole idea of content is king. But a lot of people just don't, they don't do it. It's like, you, you know what the, what the secret is. You know what you need to do. But unfortunately, what you need to do is a little bit of hard work. <laughs> so it's not an easy idea for, for, for many, but I think I think you're right. And I think a lot of the a lot of the reason people hold back on creating this great, perfect content that everyone talks about is because um, they're trying to be too perfect. It's because it's um, you know they're setting they're setting the goalposts for whatever it is. Then they're, they're trying to make it too good, and, it, and and the pressure is too high. So if you if you have more stuff you can be getting on with, especially if it's focused then it's not going to matter whether you have a few losses. You're still going to come out with a few wins. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, Alex, what is the best way if someone wants to reach out to you or follow you? What's the best way for someone to do that? Best way would be um, through my website, I guess, alexmavers.net. You will find a contact um, form or an an email address in there that you can contact me through. Otherwise, um, my Twitter is a good place, um, which is um, at I am Alex Mavers. And just to clarify for people, Mathers is spelled M-A-T-H-E-R-S. And I'll put links to in, in the show notes as well to uh, to all of those. So, um, Alex, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. And I hope that we can continue this conversation soon as well. Yeah, I hope so, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Alex.